Welcome back. This is The Soft Count, our first UFC preview show. Just after this show, there is going to be another podcast uh, linked that will just be the picks for uh, for tomorrow night. <clears throat> I won't go through all the odds in this podcast, and that way the guys that are here for the gambling, they can go to the next podcast, and that's all it'll be. It'll be a short, sweet podcast with just uh, just the picks. But I want to talk about UFC and general first before we get into the uh, the main card for tomorrow night. UFC's got a problem. It's got a big problem. And that problem is called wrestling and how it doesn't sell tickets. And really, wrestling's great. All the champs typically have had some kind of wrestling skill set. But right now, man, wrestling is dominating the UFC, and it's just not that exciting to watch. The real diehard MMA fans enjoy it because there's, like, high-level shit going on while they're watching it. But your average fan, they're there to see somebody get knocked out. It's it's why Islam hasn't gotten his title shot yet because once he gets it, we're going to be looking at another uh, Khabib problem, right? He'll just be sitting on the belt. And as much as they, these guys do have fans, your average fan does not find this very uh, enjoyable. And so that's kind of an issue for Dana, right? The, the whole uh, Cyril Gaon Francis Naganu fight, <clears throat> Francis won that with wrestling. He just laid on top of him. He was too big. He couldn't, you know, Cyril Gaon couldn't get up. <clears throat> so that's an issue. And that you can see with the the matchups that they've been creating, they they really don't want all their belts to be in the hands of wrestlers. It's not that people don't like Al Jermaine Sterling; it's that he's a wrestler. They like seeing people get you know sent to the shadow realm. So that's my uh, that's my take right now. Is it's something to keep an eye on? I, I I enjoy wrestling. I think if if you've got a kid right now and he's not in wrestling or she for that matter, why not? Get him that base. Wrestling's great. One of the one of the foundations of UFC right now. Back in the day, it used to be jujitsu, right? Nobody understood what was happening to them. In the first four UFC events, three of them were won by a Gracie. And when you look at that, it's not necessarily that he was so great. It's that nobody had any idea how to defend jujitsu at the time. And now every fighter worth his salt has jujitsu defense. Even if they're not a jujitsu specialist where they try to take people out and get submissions, they can defend it. It's like almost common knowledge now. And so jujitsu's kind of taking a backseat to wrestling. Wrestling is really taking the forefront. Can I get you down? And, I, and I'll tell you why this is the big problem. If you get a takedown in a round right now in the UFC, the way it's being judged, you get the round. <laughs> Whoever's laying on top of the other person and has ground control in a round, judges are... These fucking judges they got, it's it's the Nevada Gaming Commission. It's not Dana White selecting who he wants judging these fights. Sometimes, I mean, they don't even show the judges on TV usually because I think some of them are like old ladies and shit. And so they see a person laying on top, and it's like, oh, that round goes to them. It's kind of a bummer right now. 
I even know Dana White and a lot, and even the guys commentating the fights. They're uh, they think the same thing. It's like shocking. You're shocked at at the score on some of these fights because somebody can get be getting pieced up the whole time and they get a couple takedowns and they win, and their face is fucking rearranged. And the other guy's standing there like, the fuck just happened? He took me down twice, held me on the ground for a total of three minutes in a 15-minute fight. The rest of the fight, I smacked him around, and I don't win. And so it's becoming a bit of a wrestling match, right? It's kind of a something to keep an eye on. How can they fix that? I don't really know. Guys need to get better at wrestling, I guess. So this weekend, we've got Rob Font and Marlon Vera. To to kind of and you can here's a perfect example of Dana White avoid avoiding a wrestling night. He really has put together a banger, right? They got Rob Font and Marlon Vera. This thing, these two guys are going to try to kill each other. I think Marlon Vera is going to look small compared to Rob Font this weekend. I like Marlon. I do. I think he's he's one of those guys that when you watch him he's gotten better and better and better and better and that is hard to do but so is Rob Font and Rob's just bigger and more athletic in my opinion and just like any sport athleticism matters and and typically is what gets it done and then the co-main event is uh, Andre old Andre Arlovsky the old man Man, he used to be one of my favorite guys to watch. He's changed a lot. He's got a ground game now. Um, it's a bit of a ground and pound, but he'll take guys down, do some wrestling. He'll still box. His hands are, for an MMA fighter, his hands are fantastic. His boxing in the last couple fights have, have been really, really good. And he's just going up against Jake Collier, big boy. These two guys are going to, you know, Jake's going to go for a knockout. Andre, if he's smart, is probably going to go for a takedown in this fight and try to limit what Jake can do on their feet because Jake's got he's going to have the weight on him I'd imagine Jake's coming in at 265 and Andre's coming in at maybe 240 so I'm going to watch the ceremonial weigh-ins tonight we'll see how they look I don't put a lot of stock into the actual weigh-in because that's not what they're actually going to fight at I typically I'll look at the weigh-in to see if these people are sick if Khabib shows up sick, not that it mattered, he went undefeated, but if he shows up sick, it's like, ugh, he looks really sick. Can he recover in the next day for the fight? The ceremonial weigh-in is the one to look at because they come out after being rehydrated. How big are you now? Right before the fight, I want to see. And I'll bet you Rob Vaughn's going to be looking down at Marlon Vera. Andre is going to look small compared to Jake Collier. And then we got another banger. Uh, Brito and Feely, this thing's gonna, these two guys are high impact, high energy. I don't, I don't see Feely coming out of this one unscathed. Andre Feely, as much as I like the guy, and I, I do like him, he is, he's puts on the fight that you want to watch. He's just always on the losing end of it lately. I mean, he's 21 and 8 with one no contest. He's just at the end of his career. Not sure. What he has to gain by going, by keep going. I, I'm not sure how long. If he loses this fight, this will probably be his last fight. Probably won't see him again if he loses. <laughs> we'll see. Jared Gordon, Grant Dawson. This is the first fight that we might really see on the ground. I'm not 
I mean, both of these guys can they fight. Grant Dawson will knock your head off. He's seventeen and one. He's good. But both of these guys are big, and I think they're gonna. It's a lightweight fight, so you know, two oh five. We'll see. Some of these guys with wrestling backgrounds will come in and just knock somebody the fuck out, you know. <laughs> and then the uh, the there's Tristan Conley, Darren Elkins. I'm not super excited about those two matchups, the Grant Dawson Gordon fight. But the uh, the Gerald fight at middleweight against Jotko. Gerald is interesting because he got smoked recently by Hamza. And so I kind of want to see how he does with a, with a rebound. Can he come back out there and look good to make that win seem better than it did? Because he, he, he got absolutely ended. <laughs> um, when you look at the preliminary card, a couple fights stand out to me. I, I mean, Alexander Romanov and Chase Sherman was supposed to happen already. I think Chase Sherman got sick. I'm not sure if it was COVID or not. Uh, but he had to back out, and it looks like it's going to be on. Alexander Romanov is 15-0. and 0. Chase Sherman's 15-9. and 9. <laughs> It's not much of a fight. Um, Francisco Figueredo, another Figueredo is going to be fighting this weekend. Eh, I'm just not – the undercard doesn't have me super excited. It's not a, it's not a really long card tomorrow. But there are a few uh, a few really nice fights. I think it'll be fun to see Romanov come in there and finish off Chase Sherman. I think uh, Andre Avalovsky is always fun, but I'm kind of – I mean, really the only fight to watch tomorrow is going to be Rob Font and Marlon Vera. That's that's a hot fight. And they think they got enough with that fight to kind of carry the card, and, and that's fair. But I don't really love this card that much. I think there's some good betting, in that, and we'll talk about that on the next – on the next podcast, or on the next episode that I'll be popping up here in a second. But I just wanted to kind of, you know, introduce myself to the UFC people out there. I do a lot of NFL stuff and Formula One, UFC, I watch every single weekend for the last, I don't know, since before I can remember. I've seen every fight almost, probably. <laughs> you know, I've watched a lot of them. And I gamble on them every weekend. I'll give you some tips. We'll talk about some of the upcoming fights that I'm really excited. I mean, everybody should be excited about seeing Chandler. I feel bad for Tony. I feel like the UFC is kind of feeding Tony to Chandler because he needs a win. They need the, they need Michael Chandler to get a win. They need it. UFC, it, that's that. I can't think of anything Dana White wants more right now than for him to get a win. I got a little cotton mouth, boys. Sorry. <clears throat> UFC's invested a lot into Michael Chandler, and he is really special. His body is about as unique as any body type you've ever seen step in the ring for his weight and what he looks like and his speed. He can carry power in the first round, and if you can survive the first round, he can. He doesn't really carry power after that, and he, he's, he's also hittable. For as fast as, the, as Michael Chandler is, and and this is the the kind of the next big fight coming up. This weekend's going to be sweet. Rob Font, Marlon Vera, sweet. But really, I'm looking for this Chandler fight because it's really going to start shaping up what's going to happen with him. If he were to come out and lose to Tony Ferguson, what does the UFC do with him? You can't blame him for the Gaethje fight. 
you can't blame him or blame him for the Oliveira fight. Those were both. He almost kills Oliveira in the first round. Oliveira survives, catches him in the second round, and it got you know stopped. Okay, that that just happens to anybody. And Oliveira's the champ, so it's like, well, fair enough. And then he gets the Gaethje fight and puts on a Hall of Fame fight with Gaethje, but comes out on the bottom. But it was a banger. No one is going to watch that fight and think Chandler sucks or he's a pussy. <laughs> no one. No one's going to say that. That was a. It was one of my favorite fights I've seen in a long time. And he lost. And I'll tell you something else. Tony Ferguson is the other. Obviously, he has fought Gaethje as well. And I thought Tony hasn't been the same since that fight. That was a that was a brutal beating he took. But at the same time, he he sat Gaethje down and had a shot at finishing him there. So you know Tony's got the ability to knock you out still. But does anybody see him beating Chandler? If he does, that would be incredible. Probably the biggest upset we've seen in a long time. Some people are talking, acting like the Cyril Gaon thing was an upset. That's not an upset. Gaon who's the champ. There's no way that's an upset. There's been some upsets, obviously. There's upsets every weekend, pretty much. A couple times a year, all the favorites will win. A couple times a year. So if you're not betting at least every weekend, putting a dollar on all the favorites, if you if you're not like a gambling person, but you know, fifty two dollars a year you invest in this, at some point that's gonna hit. Every year it happens, a couple times. A couple times a year. the favor all the favorites win. And that dollar has turned into anywhere from three hundred to three thousand. You know, who knows? A lot <laughs> depends on how crazy the odds are that weekend. And so I always do that. I always have a dollar in on a on a full night fight night parlay. You never know. And then, uh, so, so yeah. I mean, Michael Chandler, baby. He's he's got it all on the line. He has to win. It's expected that he wins. And if he doesn't, I don't know what you do with him. Because he is spectacular, and he's fun to watch. The UFC is funny compared to boxing. You can have losses. You can have losses on your uh, and compete. Can you be one in three? I don't think so. He's got to win. And you see some of these guys like Rob Fonts, nineteen and five, and Marlon Vera is eighteen and seven. Do you think anybody would watch a boxing match between two guys that are nineteen and five and eighteen and seven? No. That's the other thing that's been crazy to me. All these UFC fighters complaining their money's not the same as boxing. And it's like, Rob, you're 19 and 5. The 19 and 5 boxer is not making $200 million. It's fucking undefeated Tyson Fury against one loss Deontay Wilder fighting for hundreds of millions of dollars. These guys are undefeated. And I'll tell you something else about boxing. I love MMA. I love the UFC. But it's just like anything. The best athletes in the world go to where the most money is. Bottom line, end of story. The best athletes go to where the most money is. Why do? You, why did this... Uh, have you seen max contracts in baseball and, and NBA and basketball? Why do you think these guys are in those sports and not UFC fighters? You can't, you can't tell me if LeBron James grew up trying to be a UFC fighter, like he wouldn't have been fucking awesome. 
He's six eight two. I mean, he could be a two sixty five. He could be right at the limit, and be the most athletic guy that's ever stepped in the octagon ever. We're not in the UFC looking at the best athletes of all time. A lot of these guys, like even Conor McGregor, are from nowhere and grind and grind and grind and fight in the middle of nowhere. They weren't athletes growing up. They were athletic. But we're not. We're talking world-class athletes. Those guys are in the NBA. They're in the NFL, and I guess in today's world they play back, like they play soccer and shit. But um, f- for the majority of soccer players, I I don't think they're all. I mean, they're not all fucking making hundreds of millions. The some of the worst basketball players in the NBA are making a hundred million dollars. Timothy Mozgov. You guys remember that fucking guy? Some of you guys. I don't. Obviously, you're not NBA fans, but some of you are. Timothy Mozgov got $70 million one time. And I, most of you probably don't even know who the fuck Timothy Mozgov is. It's, that's where they are. And in boxing, that's where they are. In today's game, Tyson Fury, you can look at his body and think he looks disgusting or whatever. He's a big fat slob. He's the most athletic big man I've ever seen. And if that dude had any MMA background and that's what he decided to – the reason he was his family made him a boxer and not a mixed martial artist is because that's where the money's at. And he's a world-class athlete with world-class hands. Could he be an MMA fighter? Not now. But you could have turned him into one. I think he would have been great. You look at a guy like Tom Aspinall. He's fucking awesome right now. Great MMA fighter. He's got good hands. Good, solid hands. Not a world-class athlete. Anybody that thinks Francis Ngannou has a chance at fighting Tyson Fury in a boxing match is absolutely fucking insane. He couldn't even box Cyril Gaon. He had to go to wrestling and take him down and just lay there. His hands are slow. I would argue that Francis Ngannou has some of the worst hands for a heavyweight I've seen. I mean, obviously, he hits like a truck, but it's ugly sometimes. Early in his career, he was just swinging wildly, and he'd catch you, and that was it, and that's fine. But that isn't working on Tyson Fury. I'm not sure Francis Ngannou could box Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder is badass. Everybody kind of makes fun of him and gives him shit because he's lost, and he kind of looked silly after the first fight with some of the things he was saying. But he redeemed himself in the second fight again. I, he looked great in the second fight. He looked like a rag doll in the first fight. But that second fight against Fury, whew, or the third fight, I'm sorry, I got them all mixed up. He, they did have a first fight that went to a draw. But the third fight, he redeemed himself and looked nice. And he lost because Tyson Fury's a world-class athlete and better. I don't think, I don't think Nagano even has a chance against... Wilder, I'd like to see that fight first. If you can beat this guy, then go fight this guy. But I think you'd get embarrassed. Your hands are slow. Your feet are slow. You're just too big and slow. So that's something to look forward to. Check me out here in a few. I'm going to have a uh, our picks for the weekend. I'll just give you the rundown. We'll run through it real quick, fire it up, and uh, see you guys after the draft. And we'll, that'll be our next podcast, the uh, review for the NFL football draft. We might even review the UFC this weekend, but probably not. We'll probably just wait for a preview for the big Chandler fight coming up. Talk to y'all later.